the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frant on AM 1420, The Answer. Third and final hour underway now, seven minutes past 11 o'clock on this Monday. It's the 25th morning of the ninth month in the year of our Lord, 2023. If you missed uh, any of the first uh, you know, two hours of the show, we've had some great interviews, a lot of important stuff you may have missed. Check it all out. It'll be all uploaded to uh, whkradio.com, whkradio.com. Congressman Jim Jordan joined us in the first hour. We spoke with uh, Mark Morgan former uh, Customs and Border Patrol commissioner, about the uh, unchecked border in the second hour. And then, of course, we just finished up with Dakota Sawyer as well. Now we're going to turn our attention to the strike. And no, not the writer's strike. I don't give a writ. Has anybody noticed, by the way, that the writers, the Hollywood writers, and that the actors are all on strike? It is not affecting my life one single iota. If they stayed out forever, I wouldn't care. Uh, I'm sorry, just not not important. What is important is the strike that's going on at the UAW, because this affects my life. This affects your life, our ability to get from here to there, our ability to transport ourselves to our jobs. It's all up in the air now. The cost of cars is going to go through the roof. If there is a massive uh, uh, de- increase in costs to the automakers because of this strike that has uh, been uh, Begun, been begun, that has begun, I should say, by the UAW. What's that going to mean to you? How long does the strike have to last for us to start feeling the pinch of uh, even smaller shrinking inventory on car lots, which means every price tag and every window is higher and higher? What are we going to do about it? Then, moreover, what about the workers? What about the workers and how are they going to survive or how are they going to navigate or manage this massive big three shift into EVs? All of that is what we need to discuss. And joining us now to do that is a brave soul because he's coming on to talk about this stuff and it may not always be agreeable. Dan Schwartz is the president of UAW Local 1005. He's been kind enough to tell us the ins and outs of where things are in this UAW strike. Dan, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? 
I'm doing good. Thanks for, for, for agreeing to come on. Dan, I'm going to start with the first thing that I said when I heard the strike was taking place, <clears throat> actually as it was you know, going down to, to the zero hour to get there, and I heard what some of the demands were. This is the 46,000-pound elephant in the room, so we're going to start with it. And I said I start with 46 because that was the wage increase demand. 46% uh, wage hike was what was being asked for at the very beginning of this whole thing. It's not something that most people can really comprehend because most of us, you know, we'll get a cost of living wage increase. Maybe you get a 3% or a 3.5% or something like that. You come out there asking for 46%, so doggone near half of your current salary on top of it again. And most people are like, what? You got to be crazy. Tell me how that number came about and why that was uh, the, one of, the, one of the, the biggest sticking points in this, uh, in this negotiation that led to the strike. So, so yeah, 46%, you know, if you go back and, and, and total up the pay increases that uh, big three executives have given themselves over the last four years, uh, it, it's, it's pretty close to 46%. So I, I believe that's where, you know, that's where the, that's where it was born or that, that's where it started. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we knew going in that our demands were robust at, at the most, but you know, my opinion is you start high and then and come on down. Yeah, but that's beyond high. That's a number that nobody can even wrap their brains around. And and I understand when you say that. Well, that's what the uh, you know the management gets uh, or has been getting or whatever. But I'm you know again speaking as just you know a regular schmo. Um, I don't expect to make as much as my bosses make. I don't expect my pay increases to be commensurate with what my bosses are or what the owners are, the CEOs are. These are people in positions that are much different than mine. They have much bigger things that they are responsible for than I am with my small place on a line somewhere, whether it be in a, you know, in the broadcast industry or in the automotive industry. I've got a small place here. Why, why do we say, well, this is what management gets, therefore we as the employees have to get? So, so you know, nobody nobody blames uh, you know, the workers are always to blame, and and management always wants to, to blame the workforce. Uh, although it's uh, you know it's the workforce, it's our blood, sweat, and tears that that make those corporations the profits, uh, and we want our uh, you know we want our share. So yeah, we started off at forty six percent, and then. Uh, you know, eight weeks ago, or, or I think we're moving on nine now, to uh, to go to the table and, and start negotiating. And uh, General Motors has refused to do that. They waited till the last minute to uh, to come to the table and start bargaining. And uh, to the point where we had to go ahead and, and file an NLRB lawsuit against them to uh, to start bargaining in in good faith. And now here we are, uh, you know, three weeks into this, and uh, uh, you know. And really, if they would have came to the table and started uh, negotiating like they should have, we, we wouldn't be where we're at right now. We're talking to Dan Schwartz, UAW Local 1005 president. So I'll just have to just agree to disagree with uh, with the 46% as a starting point. I think it's I think it's exorbitant. I think it just smacks of greed, uh, if I can be honest with you. But, but okay, you say we, we want our share. Okay, that's, like I said, we'll disagree on what a fair share is for an employee versus management. But let's get to the second giant elephant in the room here. 32-hour work week for 40 paid hours. 
that's that's beyond uh, you know a, a negotiation tactic. I think anyway, uh, and I'm not. I haven't been in part of too many union negotiations, but but that's beyond anything I think anybody has ever heard of before. You only want to work four days a week, four eights, or or whatever the case might be, but paid for forty. How do we get to that as a demand that led to this strike? Uh, again, we started out you know with our demands. We we understood they were uh, you know inflated. Uh, you know, the 32-hour work week is, is you know, it was, was a demand. But uh, you, let's go back to the corporate greed thing again, or, or okay. greed. You know, okay. when you turn around and you take General Motors and you bail them out like we did in, in 09, uh, we reached into our pockets and, you know, we gave them a lot of concessions. And, you know, we, we did what we had to do to make General Motors profitable again and viable again and you know the sales of cars and vehicles go up the profits go up the prices of cars go up to where our members can't even really afford what we buy what we manufacture uh and in the price of a car uh labor when we went ahead and bailed them out in, in prior to 09 you know it was only about eight percent so like $3,200 on, on a $40,000 vehicle. Uh, after we bailed them out, you know, the, and gave them concessions and did what we wanted, you know, for them, what we agreed to do, mm-hmm. uh, it went down to 2.5%. And if you look at it today, it's at 5%. So, yeah, um, you know, they, they made a combined of $250, million, $250 billion in profits of our backs, our sweat, and, 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 and our labor. And labor's at five percent right now. You know, nobody asks about administrative costs or or anything like that. They just want to turn around and bl- uh, blame labor on it. So, in the fourteen years since um, that bailout, and as you said, you guys helped to uh, you know to kind of rescue them by renegotiating your your deal. Um, were there were there concessions that were supposed to have been made by the 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 management of the big three to come back to you guys that have not been in other words i I don't know what the terms of the 2009 agreement were were you supposed to get certain amounts back by a certain point in time by say 2011 2013 and so on and so forth uh and have they not been met or was was the contract as renegotiated met by both sides so you know Back back when we went out, in, you know, in '09, and, and not only us as uh, employees, but as taxpayers, you know, we bailed out General Motors and gave them what, uh, what what they asked for. And you know, moving forward to four years ago when we were on strike for 40 days, and you know, General Motors was was as profitable. You know, we wanted some of those, we wanted some of that stuff back in return, and, and we got some back. But again, like I said, we're at $250, $250 billion in, in, in profit. And, you know, these executives are, are giving themselves huge raises. And, you know, they want to get to this EV market and, and do all those things like that. You know, this isn't all about the, hour, the dollar, hourly wage, okay? There's, there's a heck of a lot more to this, uh, Bob. You know, you have cost of living allowance, which, you know, Everything's going up, but we're staying. We're staying here. We're being left behind. You know, retirees are are still getting what they're getting, but they're they're being left behind. Uh, you know, you have two tier well, wages. Dan, Dan, explain that to me. What do you mean by left behind? When you talk about cost well, of living, are you not getting cost of living raises? 
No, our cost of living was we 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 gave that back. We you know cost of living allowance we don't have right now. Uh, so the price of cars, the price of gas, the price of food, the price of clothing, the price of college, you know, are, are all going up. But our our pay isn't going up. We're left behind. So, okay. So you know, so, so so you're saying you're saying that for 14 years you have not gotten any cost of living raises. A cost of living allowance raise? No. Yes. We have gotten a small raise. I think it was like maybe 6% over, over the last four years, which really isn't years. nothing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, so, that, that, that that's not a lot. Let, let, you mentioned EVs, and I'm glad you did, because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting well, here. Hold on. Let me, let's, let's, go oh. back. let's go back to some. Let's go back to, okay. you know, we're, we're not only <clears> fighting for economic justice, you know, even for people that are non-union and, and outside the, the auto arena. Okay, let's talk about people that are working in these factories that are making 50% to 60% less, that have no pension, they have no health care, they have no vacation, they're not entitled to any other bonuses or anything like that. They're forced to work overtime and work next to somebody that has, like my sonority, 25, 26 years, and I don't have to work Saturday, but they look at them, and say, guess what? You have to work tomorrow, and they have no there, there's no recourse, you know. And they won't hire. There's people that are have been retirees for six, seven, or I'm sorry, retirees, uh, uh, two tier temporaries that are like six, seven years, hoping to to catch up to a to a last year a traditional employee. I was out in Toledo Saturday with uh, some of my brothers and sisters at the Toledo Jeep plant, and I'm hearing the stories there that. They're, they're working 10, 12 hours, and they'll come up to them almost after eight and say, you've got to stay another four. But a guy with 30 years seniority or 25 years seniority is walking out the door. It's almost kind of like creating a hostile work environment because you got two people working side by side doing the same job, but one's getting paid 50% less and the other one's making, you know, he's able to, to provide for his family. And, and it's not right. So... So, uh, so, know, so is that, that is that different, Dan? It, 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 if you just turn us on, it's Dan Schwartz, uh, UAW Local 1005 president here. We're talking about the strike and some of the conditions that led us to where we are now with this stalemate with the big three automakers that's going to cost all of us a ton of money in very short order if the strike doesn't end soon. Is that new, what you just described as far as temporary workers or uh, these individuals who are you know uh, making half of what the actual line workers normally would? No, they, they've been doing this for years. Uh, you know, we fought we fought with General Motors uh, years ago to get temporaries hired permanently. Okay, they don't get the same uh, 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 personal savings plan or, or retirement that I get. We, we they don't get the same uh, uh, pay. You know, they, they work at a, a lower rate, and it takes them longer to get to. I guess you would say scale. Uh, they don't have this. They have to pay more for their health care than than uh, if you were hired before that. So, uh, yeah, this has been going on for quite a while. Okay, we want um, everybody on the same. We want everybody on the same playing field. We want everybody at the same level, which what they deserve. Okay, so so I I need to switch to the EV part part of this question now. The UAW, in fact, both sides, 
management and and union uh, uh, work or union uh, uh, spokespersons have talked about the shift into EV. Everybody knows all three of the big three are are converting into EV, tra- you know, transitioning into EV production because of the mandates that are coming from the federal government. And in Ford's case, they just made that decision on their own even before any um, federal mandates were were put in place or even discussed. But what they're saying is. Um, we need the flexibility. It's going to cost us a lot of money to transition the plants over into making, you know, the overwhelming majority of the electric models. We can't just be, you know, giving out massive races like this. Uh, your side agrees that the EVs are coming. And you say that, and in fact, let me quote, uh, let me quote, uh, Sean Fain in this. We will not let the EV industry be built on the backs of workers making poverty wages while the CEOs line their pockets with government subsidies. So the, the union's position appears to be make all the changes you have to make, but don't take it out of our pockets. You have to come up with this, uh, you know, with this massive pay raise. Is that, uh, is that a tenable position to actually get this transition done? So here, if they want to go to EV, they need us to get to get them there. Okay, they need the working, the workforce, the labor to get them there. They, we got, we have gotten General Motors to where they are now to be that profitable. So yeah, I, I agree with uh, Sean Fain, and uh, so they're gonna, they need to, to to make us whole, to make us. Uh, uh, part of the part of the uh, the plan to, uh, to to get them there. You know, there's a lot more. To well, they're they're claiming plan. they are Dan too. You know, I mean, you know, the the GM the GM uh, the GM spokesperson said they have made quote historic wage increase offers and a huge economic sure. passage that they uh, package that they have put on the table here. But there's that 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 your side is saying it's not enough. But they're saying they're absolutely willing to make you guys whole uh, in order to yeah. get this transition going. But you say it's not enough. So exactly Historic. exactly where you know when you start at something crazy like forty six percent, and I think it is crazy. And when you start at pay us for 40 but we're only working 32 i can't even imagine what kind of a cost that's going to put on the companies that's going to be passed on to the consumers on the car lots um exactly how far are you you know i know you're not the chief negotiator but but exactly how how much more reasonable do you think you're going to have to be before we get there yeah again that was the starting point you know I, i'm like you said i'm not sitting up there at the table i know all right so i i, I don't yeah right uh it, it, it was a starting point for sure, um, and it was. I would say it would be inflated, but you know what? It is what it is. You know what? These Mary Barra, I'll use her for example. Twenty nine point seven million dollars a year before bonuses. Okay, and and she she says she gets paid on uh, her conversation is uh, performance based. Well, I have to perform my job. So that that factory is running the way it's supposed to run, so we are profitable. We deserve the same compensation as well. Here, not yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but but Dan, but Dan, I don't know, I don't know if that's fair to say. I don't think, in fact, I don't think it is fair to say because what you do, what you hold on, but 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 what you do, what you're responsible for, and you're part of that plan, your particular you know participation. I don't even know what your job is within it, but but it's very very different. The CEO whose performance affects how many millions of shareholders in the companies, and and not to mention all of the pensions of the retirees and your pensions as 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 time goes 
goes on, and you guys put all this time in as well. If their performance at the top level of things is is not up to par, the whole company collapses. Um, you guys are responsible for a very different part of this whole thing, which is the actual production thereof. You you do understand that also it takes an awful lot more to to achieve a position like a CEO than it does to be a foreman on a line, right? Doesn't mean one is well, doesn't mean doesn't mean one is working harder than the other, but I mean in terms of you know people people do an awful lot to get those positions, uh, and 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 typically when you are responsible for the outcome and the and the income rather of multi billion dollar companies, you are certainly going to find yourself in a position to profit a lot more than somebody who's responsible just for making their quota that day on a line. Is that not fair to say? Or? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with you here. And I think we're going to agree to disagree to this. Listen, 46%, it's, it's an inflated app. And we understood that. We're st- that's where we're starting our, our, our negotiations at. And those were our demands. Now, where we end up, I don't know. You know, that has to come back to the membership and get voted on. But if you look at a current wage we have right now, okay, and, and you, you you get the gross wages and you add everything up at the end of the day with the way things are inflating and, and stuff like that, you hardly have anything to put away, especially when you're making half of what I make. If we were to increase our wages 36%, I think, I think what I, what did I see? It was like a $350 a month, uh, that's what you probably have left over after you have a house payment, car payment, utilities, food, and if you're paying for your health care, you can't. It's, and that's if your kids don't go to dance, don't play football, don't play baseball, aren't your hot water tank doesn't, doesn't go out. Dan, you're you. making it sound like you guys are working for slave wages, and I don't buy that you are. What's no, the average? What's the average starting wage? What's the average starting wage right now for a UAW plant worker in any one of the big three? What's the average starting wage right now? A starting wage yeah. is sixteen sixty five. If you get hired right now, okay. So you get hired in at sixteen sixty five, and exactly how that's how long what, how long do you have to work hiring. before? The, yeah, go ahead. That's uh, okay, hiring or temporary, that, and that's what they're hiring right now. Sixteen sixty-five. Okay, so those now. are those are temporary starting people. Now, what's the average wage though for the average uh, uh, employee? Thirty-two bucks an hour. Thirty-two, 32 bucks an hour. An hour. Okay, thirty. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people, to be honest with you, that make thirty-two dollars an hour. Um, and, and and now is that as much as the CEOs make in the at the head of the big three? No, of course not. But you're not suggesting that it should be, should it? Because again, what they're doing is they're responsible for the success or failure of multi-billion dollar, uh, multi-billion dollar companies and 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 all of your jobs. Here's the deal: it's it's real simple. We're fighting for economic justice and we're fighting for social justice. Okay, we want that home homework balance. We want what what we deserve, what we deserve, and we're fighting for others even outside the auto industry that are working. Anybody that goes and puts their boots on every morning, or goes and works in a hospital, or go works in a factory, or is a school teacher, policeman, fireman, whatever, everybody's made these. The corporations and, and, and are making huge profit. We just we don't want to be. I don't want corporate money. I just want what's fair to me, and I'm going to tell you right you, now. But you, you don't you don't think that Hold an on, average wage of thirty two dollars is fair, though, Dan? Hold on a second. Let me ask you a question. If you walk into 
any factory where somebody's making $20 an hour and you say, hey, what if you were making $30 an hour? You think they, would, they wouldn't be okay with it? I'm not sure I understood I the would. question. I'm not sure I understood so, the question. So, so you're if saying, I offered so you're somebody $10 more an hour than what they're making, sure, every, anybody would want that. Over, but, over, here, over a four-year agreement. I'm still over not sure of the question years. then. You're, you said you're going so, from 20 so to $30. I, I'm asking for I'll, 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 If I'm know, making $20 an hour, I'll, I'll try to answer it as I think you're asking. If I'm making $20 and I know that within four years I'll be up to $30 an hour, that's that's a 25% pay increase uh, uh, in, in my salary in, in just four years. That's pretty doggone good increase as far as I'm concerned. That's an average of 6% a year. So so you and I agree. So you and I agree on something. It's well, a, it's a, it's, it's a really good it's a good thing that we're not asking for the world we're asking for what we deserve we started off at 46 percent okay but if i get to 25 percent or 30 or 35 who's who would say no to that regardless if you're not a worker or you're well sure out. you would say sure you would say yes to that but i'm talking about but if you're on the management side and you have to multiply that increase times how many workers work how many uaw members are there that work for the big three I mean, we're talking about a, a, a multi-billion-dollar, you know, change in salaries and benefits that we're talking about here. While they have to undergo and somehow find a way to keep all of this solvent and to keep you guys happy and to to change over from from their 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 existing plants to the EV plants, which is going to be just again extraordinary. The idea that that, that the pay increases should be uh, as exorbitant as that at the same time is just a lot. It's a lot for somebody to swallow if you're if you're not vested in the you know invested in the uh, outcome one way or the other we are invested in, in in gm and we invested in them in in 08 and 09 when they when they ran it into the ground okay and the government had to come in and, and bail them out uh long, you know obama and bush worked together to do that and the uaw stepped in and said here we'll help you out and now they're making record profit record profit they're doing they're, they're doing better than they have, you know, in many, many, many years. And well, all we want to do is, is is stand up and fight for what we deserve. And we deserve, you know, economic justice. We deserve social justice. What does that mean? And, you keep saying social justice. What does that mean? Well, the work-life balance. Here, social justice is I don't want to have to work next to some guy that's making $16 an hour and I'm making 32 I want these people to be able to go out, make a good living. So you want the people who start, family. hold on, you want the people who are starting next to you at $15 an hour to make your wage, even though you've been there for 25 years? Here, when I got hired. You want everybody to start out, hold on, you want a new worker to make the same wage as a 25-year veteran. I want them to come in and start at a wage that they can go ahead and have a quality of life that's like mine, and yes, work it, work up, you know, maybe the life of an agreement to get, you know, four years to get to top scale. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, I don't understand how you say there's nothing wrong with that. You're talking about somebody with no experience, no other qualifications. They're newbies. They're first into the plant at the very first time of their lives, and they should be making what you've made, you're making now after 25 years. You, you've been there for 25 years, and you want them to rise up to your level within just four years of a contract? Why, why wouldn't they have to work their way up over the long term like you did to get to $32 an hour? So, 
So let's go out. Let's go outside the. Uh, let's go outside the auto industry here for a second. You well, no, no, let's stay fired. there. Answer that for me because it was your example. No, no, I, I will. I will. When I got hired at General Motors in 1999, all right, I was hired at a lower wage than what top scale was. It took me three years to get to top scale where I was. I was level with everybody else. So, so in three years, you were making what somebody who's been there for thirty years was making. Absolutely. Okay, and, and see, I, I guess this is where we have to disagree because I think that's insane. Well, sorry, I think here, seniority go, should be again, rewarded. I think senior. Hold on. Let's I think seniority should be rewarded. I think pay increases that come along with more years of experience and more well, years of service. So that, that's I get thing, that. That's the good thing about a labor agreement is that it keeps everybody everybody on the same playing field. Yeah, but, but not everybody should be on the same playing field. And, and quite frankly, the fact of the matter is that the people who are working in the plants and making the cars cannot be on the same playing field as the CEOs who run the company. If they fail at their job, everything collapses. If you fail at your job, guess what? <laughs> you get fired and somebody else gets slid right into your spot and nobody misses a beat. So, right? should, so let's, let's talk about, let's go outside here again. So you look at Yellow Freight, right? Yellow Freight. Yeah, I used to work for him. I used to work for him. I was a yeah, teamster. I, got, I know. I got two. I got two or three buddies that worked for him for thirty years. And guess what? Because of mismanagement, what happened? Well, they, they went under. Them. They they went under. But but is it just mismanagement, yeah. or did the union not Absolutely. not accept? Wait, from what I understand, could, the teamsters refused to accept a reasonable offer. And by the time how, they finally said, "Okay, we'll you. take it," it was too late. It was over. Since the government bailed them out too, and what they do? They ran it right back into the ground. Well, mismanagement. Well, Dan, I'll tell you what. Put it on the workers. Put it on the workers' back. I understand. That's what everybody wants to do. Put it on everybody's back. No, I just think there needs to be. I just, I, I don't want to put it on any. Just to put it on the workers' back. But I do. I will say this, and and I really appreciate you coming on and and having this this conversation. Um, I'm looking for reasonableness. That's what I'm looking for here. Forty six percent is not reasonable. Thirty two hours work of for forty hours pay is not reasonable. It's not feasible. It's not sustainable. And no company could survive if they did that. No company could survive if they were forced to pay those kinds of wages and those kinds of concessions. We here. It was that was. The demands we put on the table it was a starting point. I know. And We've I, already start, I don't. I just don't know. I don't know how low you're going to come when you start off that that crazy high. I don't know if there's a reasonable uh, solution anywhere near in our future, and that means a protracted strike, and that means a huge hit to the American economy and all those well, people you're you talking what, about with social about justice this? and being able to pay their bills and everything else. You're willing to throw all of those people under the bus here for an exorbitant forty six percent starting point. I just don't find that. Here, reasonable. I'm not throwing. I'm not no, you, no, I mean the UAW, not you, Dan. Dan, not you. Personally. No, no, the UAW. What the UAW is is we're fighting for for people even outside the UAW, people that are are, are working for non-union companies that are working for for other places that to get what you deserve. Okay, uh, you know, I, I have friends that work or family members that work outside in, in uh, uh, organized labor. Uh, uh, no, you know, I get it. I, I, I know I know what you're saying, and I, and I, I get it. And I'm thinking about people that are not just union workers outside of the UAW or anywhere else. I'm thinking about consumers as well, and what's this is going to well, do to them here, when a, a $20,000 car is going to cost $27,000 because of what's going on right now. Uh, that doesn't help them either. Dan, I, I'm, I'm out of time. In fact, I'm seven minutes past or out of time. Thank you for coming oh, on, sorry. UAW. That's okay. I, I wanted to have this conversation, so I appreciate you very much for coming on and having it. Dan Schwartz, UAW I'm, Local 1005 President. Dan, best of luck to you and to all of us in this thing. Thank you very much. Thank you. You got it. 1137, we blew through the news. I think we're probably done for the show now.
In fact, you want to just wrap it, Seth, because we're probably, I don't know, you tell me where we are. We'll, uh, I'll try to come back and say goodbye. Don't, 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 uh, don't sleep on the fact that I've got another three hours. I'm hosting the Dennis Prager Show coming up here starting in about 20 minutes. Uh, so you can uh, make sure to check in with me there on Dennis Prager. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.